full honesty, and I'm going to uh, expose, expose Jacob here a little bit. Just He came over to greet me during the greeting time, and he said, are you Remy? And I go, yeah. And he, I said, I'm, he's going to introduce me. And he goes, yeah. I said, do you know who I am? He goes, well, kind of. And uh, I said, do you know what to say about me? Well, not really. So that was a really good introduction for someone that you just met like 30 seconds ago. Good for you. And you gave me a lot of credit. Um, I didn't get this church started, but I did recommend that uh, Jamie get it started. So we, we, we hung out a lot in the early days trying to get this, figure this thing out and how it was going to work. Okay, uh, and to add to what you said, they're not just vacationing, it's their 20th anniversary, okay? So 20th wedding anniversary, so they thought that maybe we should get away for that, and I'm glad they did. I'm glad I could help them out by coming over. I, I live in Minneapolis now. I used to live in Menominee. A few years back, a man by the name of Eugene Peterson, maybe you've heard of him, but he wrote a book by the name of a long Along Obedience in the Same Direction. Maybe some of you have read it. Anyone read that book? Along Obedience in the Same Direction. It's a book about following Jesus, and the, the title itself says a lot. Following Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. But anytime you do something for a long time, especially when it comes to obeying, what's the temptation? To quit, right? To quit. We lose strength. We lose patience. Sometimes we even can lose our faith. Now, do we have any marathon runners out there? I'm sure we do. More than who read this book? Okay, we've got to have marathon runners in this church. Raise your hand. Wow. Half marathon <laughs> How about runners in general? Okay, that's good. Well, the reason I ask that is it's easy to give up. It's easy to give up when you're running a marathon. So I asked a couple of my friends who are runners, marathon runners, and I said, what, what do you do to keep you from quitting? And one guy said, you know, just knowing that the temptation to quit is going to come helps me because then I can prepare for it. And you know that that's going to come. It, it always happens. And I asked a, a woman friend of mine, and she said, well, knowing that her husband and her four boys were going to be at a certain checkpoint, like mile 15, really encourages her because she doesn't want to let them down. She wants to be there for them, and she wants to look strong. My point is, is that every successful runner has their tricks to keep them going and not quitting. Now, I've never run a marathon, and I guarantee you I never will. But I'd imagine... If I were to do that, it would be much easier if I had someone like a coach to come alongside of me and speak into my life, offering me wisdom, tips, encouragement, maybe a few candy bars or energy bars along the way. And I mention this because that's exactly what God did for his people. He's, he's given us a coach to run alongside of us, to encourage us to make sure that we, we never give up, that we don't quit on him. Jesus said that his, he sends his spirit into the lives of every believer. In fact, this is what Jesus said. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit is truth. He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus, as maybe you saw there, Jesus called the Holy Spirit in Greek, parakletos, and it's, a, it's an interesting word because kletos means to be called. 
Para, you've seen that in the word parallel. It means to be alongside something. So parakletos means to be called alongside. God called the Holy Spirit to come alongside every believer. He's our coach. He's our counselor. He's our comforter, advisor. Really, he's whatever we need in any given moment. See, God knows that following Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. And so he's given us his spirit to make sure that we don't give up, that we don't quit. We make it to the end. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But there's a problem with this. And that is that many people fail to hear the voice of the spirit who is right alongside of them. God's spirit is there, but it's like they have their earbuds in and the volume is turned up and they're not paying attention. And so they miss out on the encouragement and the wisdom and the strength that they need to be successful in this long obedience in the same direction. So as a result, they might give up. Now maybe some of you are at that point today. Maybe this is your, you intended this to be your last time in church because you're, just, you're at that place. And if that's true, I'm really glad that you're here, whether it's here in person or, or online. Because I think God wants to encourage you today about not giving up. I want us to consider... Why it is that we may not be hearing the voice of God, if that's your problem. And I understand that's what Pastor Jamie's been talking about over the last few weeks. That's the series that he's been in, so I want to pile on to that. You know, many people never hear from God because they're simply afraid. They're afraid about their relationship with God. And so today I want to talk about four fears that keep us from hearing from God. And to do that, we're going to look at a classic story in the Old Testament the story of Gideon, Gideon, and we find that in the book of Judges, chapter 6 and 7. The book of Judges is about a time in Israel when the people of Israel quit on God repeatedly. They were giving up all the time. And whenever that ha- would happen, God would send, raise up a new leader and send it to the people to encourage them to get back on track. And Gideon was one of those leaders. So in Judges, chapter 6, we learn about their situation, and this is what it says. So says the Israelites did not did what let me start over. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. And so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites fled to the mountains, where they made hiding places for themselves in caves and dens. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. So the people quit on God, and they were attacked by these people called the Midianites. But it got worse. Let me keep reading. It says that they left the Israelites, these marauders, left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their cattle and tents as thick as locusts arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. In other words, the writer is telling us that they couldn't have been in any worse condition than they were. This was the bleakest condition that they could have possibly been in. And this leads me to my first fear that keeps us from hearing from God. And that is fear number one is that God doesn't want to speak to me because I've messed up too bad. I've screwed things up too bad. This is probably one of the most 
popular or basic insecurities that we have with God. We don't think God wants to speak to us because either, one, we have a low view of God, we don't think that he cares for us, or two, we have a low view of ourselves. We think, like I said, that we've, we've messed things up so bad, we've muddied the water so bad that God just says, I'm done with you, I'm through, I, I can't work with you anymore, I'm not going to speak to you. And my guess is that the Israelites believed that last thing that I just said. They doubted that God would answer their prayers because they assumed that they had just sinned too much, done it too many times. They didn't think they deserved God speaking to them. Well, the truth is, they didn't. They didn't deserve God speaking to them. We never, no one on earth deserves God speaking to them because he's holy and we're not. But that's why we rely on God's grace and his goodness and his kindness. He speaks to us in spite of the fact that we're not as good as he is. God wants to stay connected to us. That's his passion. We're his children. We're his creation. So God did speak to his people in this story. And the Bible tells us this. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites saying this, I'm the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. You've not listened to me. You see, the problem wasn't with God not speaking to them. The problem was that the Israelites didn't listen to God. God always wants to speak to us if we'll only listen. But sometimes we don't want to hear what he has to say because sometimes what he has to say is hard. I've heard many people say that God is silent or that God isn't speaking to them. Personally, I don't believe that. I believe that God is always speaking to us. He's saying something. Maybe God isn't saying what we want to hear at the moment. Maybe he's offering a correction to us that just sounds too hard. Or he might be whispering and we need to turn down the noises in our life, turn down the volume. But I don't think God's ever silent because that's the whole reason he sent his spirit. He sent his spirit to be alongside of us, to speak into our life on a daily basis, to encourage us. That's just what he does. See, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. God wants to speak to you. Let me read something from the book of Psalms. It says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs, who does he instruct? He instructs sinners. He instructs sinners. He speaks to sinners, not perfect people. And he instructs them in his way. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them the way. He wants to get them back on track. If there's ever a time when God wants to speak to you, it's when you've messed up. It's when when you've fallen by the wayside. He wants to help you get back on the right path. So fear number one is that we don't think God wants to speak to us because we've messed up too much. Fear number two is that even if God does speak to us, we don't think we're able to hear what he says. We just don't think we're capable. Some people assume that hearing from God is really complicated. It's difficult. Like God speaks in some kind of special code, and you have to be super spiritual to break that code. Other people seem to have it, but, but not you. But I don't see that in this story. In fact, I see just the opposite. I see God sending numerous messages to the people in different ways. God bent over backward to speak to his people here. And this is where Gideon enters the story. First, God sent a prophet to the people. I read that. And then an angel showed up to talk to Gideon face to face. The Bible says this. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the oak tree at Ophrah. 
When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God sent an angel to have an extended one-on-one conversation with Gideon. What this visitation tells us is that God is personal. Right? He cares. He's not some unfeeling machine that spits out cold instructions from a distance. No, he, he wanted to be up close and personal with Gideon, so he, he sent an angel to be with him. He doesn't want to avoid us when we sin. He wants to help us. So he comes close and he speaks to us to show us how we can get back on track. And maybe, again, maybe that's why you're here today, because God wants to get back on track. He wants to encourage you. This means that God wants to communicate you with you and he'll do whatever he needs to do to make that happen. He's not interested in playing guessing games, not interested in playing 20 questions or Pictionary with you, making it really vague so you just don't know what to do. No, he wants it to be clear. God might speak to you in a variety of ways. He might speak to you in another, with another person. He might speak to you through just reading the Bible or through a song through a beautiful sunset or a flower. He might even speak to you through a sermon. Strange thing, but he might. I think God often speaks to us through a strong thought that that comes to our mind and then gives us a sense of peace. There was a time years ago when I was asking God to show me what my wife and I should do if we should sell our place and we should move. And we were in a really tough spot and... We weren't quitters. We didn't want to give up on what we were doing. But it just seemed like maybe that was a thing to do. Maybe we needed to sell our house and move and and transition our life to another thing. And we were praying and praying and praying, asking and asking, and we just didn't feel like God was speaking to us. And I can tell you exactly where I was at what time and uh, where the sun was coming in the the window. But I was praying and, and really desperate, and I said, God, you got you to gotta tell, tell us what to do. This is a make or break moment for us, so you can't be silent. Okay, you got to speak. And just then, a thought came to me. It was a very simple thought, and the thought was just this. You know what to do. And I thought about that, and I thought, I know what to do. Do I really know what to do? I thought, that's crazy. That's the whole reason I'm praying is because I don't know what to do. Now, you know what to do. So I just thought about that, and I went, Wondering if it might be the Lord or if it's just a random thought in my brain. And I thought, six months before that time that I was praying, my wife and I had decided to move. We had come to the decision. And then just life happened and we got busy and life got complicated and we kind of forgot all about it. And then we started praying all over again, what should we do? And so that thought, you know what to do, meant a lot to me. Because, yeah, I knew what to do. I'd already, I'd already made that decision. And so that thought grew and grew and grew. And that's all I could think about. And I went home and told my wife, I said, honey, I was praying. I was at a church building. And I went home. I said, I was praying today. And it just seemed so clear to me that we already know what to do. And I felt like God was saying that to me. And she bore witness to that. She goes, you're right. Yeah, we did make this decision. Why, why are we still here? And so we sold our house, and we moved, and that sent us in a totally new direction. We, uh, we were living on a farm. We moved into 
Menominee, and that's eventually what led us to start the church, Cedarbrook Church, over there. My point is, God speaks to us, and he'll find a way to get through to us in a way that makes sense to us. Now, look, look what the angel said to Gideon. He didn't rebuke Gideon for the sin of Israel. In fact, he called, called him a mighty warrior and sent him on a mission to save the Israelites, not rebuke him. But Gideon wasn't convinced that this angel was really from God or spoke for the Lord. Listen to his response. He says, pardon me, Lord, but if the Lord is with me, why has all this happened to us? And I have to laugh at that because I think uh, it's a natural response. It's like he said, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Angel, sir, but it doesn't look like God's with us based on what's happening around us here. In fact, quite the opposite. And he, he goes on to say more. He says, where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? He wanted some of those stories. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So he's pretty, he's pretty upset with God, with God. And I think we all feel that way at times. When things go, go dark on us, we wonder, what the heck's going on? Where's God in this? And why are bad things happening when God's supposed to be on my side? Well, fear number three is that I'll never be able to do what God says. He's called me, but even, even if he calls me, I won't be able to do it. God sent an angel to encourage Gideon, and he's like, no, I'm not buying it. I don't believe this. God abandoned us. I can't do what you're asking me to do because God isn't with me. I don't trust that God is with me. And this really feels like a setup for failure, that God's just going to hang me out to dry. So no, angel, I don't want to do this. And then Gideon continues to express doubt. At first he expressed doubt in God, that God had abandoned him. But then he expresses doubt in himself. He says, Lord, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. He said, you don't know, it's kind of like Moses did. He said, you don't know who you're dealing with here. I'm nothing. In other words, he's saying, I'm from the smallest, least prestigious tribe in all of Israel, and I'm the youngest person in my family. There's better people in my family that can be doing this. I can't do your will. It'll never happen. You know, the story is so typical of of all Bible stories. The Bible is just full of stories like this that that paint a really dark picture of someone. They get painted into a corner. There's no way out. They call out to God, and God shows up for them. And I think that these stories speak to us because isn't that how we often feel in life, that we're painted into a corner with no way out, and we're crying out to God, and we just want him to show up for us. So the story is here to say, yeah, God will do that for us. God wants to do that for us. God wants us to see that he always comes through for us, no matter how inadequate we feel that we are. Now I should point out that there's something a little strange or confusing in this story. Maybe you've noticed it already. But Gideon starts to talk to an angel, and then halfway through the conversation, now he's suddenly talking to the Lord. I don't even know if you saw that. So which is it? He's talking to an angel or he's talking to the Lord? Without getting into it too much, I just just want to pointed out that I I think the angel is the Lord. Okay, the angel is the Lord. Well, let me keep going. God wasn't phased by Gideon's negative protest, and that's good to know too. If If you're a protester with God, it's good to know that God's not phased. So he said to Gideon, I will be with you, 
and you will destroy the Midians as if you were fighting against one man. I will be with you. That's exactly what Jesus said to to his disciples about his spirit, that his spirit would be with us to fight our battles for us. Now, if you want to hear from God, it's important to see what God sees when he looks at you, okay? When Gideon looked in the mirror, what did he see? He, He saw a scared rabbit. He saw someone who was inadequate and couldn't do the job. But when God looked at Gideon, he saw a mighty warrior, a mighty warrior. So let me ask you, who do you see when you look in the mirror? Now, maybe it's not a mighty warrior. Maybe that's too militaristic for you. But do you see someone who is capable of overcoming your present problems? Or do you see someone who is about to be overrun by your present problems? It's important. It's an important important distinction to make as you look in the mirror. How you answer those questions is going to determine if you can finish this long obedience in the same direction or not. When God looks at you, he doesn't see all your deficiencies like you do. He doesn't see your sin or your weaknesses or what you can't do. No, because he sees you through the eyes of Jesus Christ. Okay? God always sees you in the light of his power, not your weakness. He sees you who you are in Christ. And in Christ, all things are possible. He knows that. I mean, that's why the Apostle Paul said, the flesh is weak, sure, but the spirit, the spirit is willing. The spirit can do in you what you can't do. So never forget that. Never forget that God walks alongside of you every minute of every day to give you what you need. And this brings me to my fourth fear. Fear number four is that I can't be sure that I really have heard from God. When it comes to hearing God's voice, even the most mature believer has its, their doubts, right? I mean, God's invisible. So can you really be sure? Can you really be sure? That's only natural to doubt. God doesn't send skywriters over your house, at least not mine. That would be nice. But here's the good news. God understands. He understands our concern, and so he'll do what we, we need to do, what we need to receive from him to hear his voice. So after God spoke to Gideon and called him to fight the Midianites, Gideon said this in response. He said, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. Give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Now that's a fair request. Gideon wanted to make sure that he was talking to the real Lord, okay? That he wasn't hallucinating and that God really meant business. So he said, can you just give me a sign to kind of back this up? So Gideon brought an offering to the Lord of meat and bread. And this is what happened when he brought this offering to the Lord. It says, with the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. Now it's back to an angel. That's pretty impressive. I would say that that's a sign from God. If that happened in my life, I'd go, okay, God, I'm I'm impressed. that, That works for me. So that's the first sign that God gave to Gideon. And for the sake of time and for the sake of clarity, I'm going to let you go home and read this story through to see what the other three signs were, okay? Good stories just take a lot of time. But God revealed himself to Gideon in three ways to confirm that this is what he wanted to do in Gideon's life. God gave Gideon what he needed to convince him that God was with him and he would fight for him. So after the fourth sign... Gideon was convinced, and he comes back to the camp, and this is what he says. 
or this is what the story says, he returned to the camp of Israel and called out to all the people, get up, the Lord has given the Midian camp into our hands. Now, I appreciate that because we've seen his doubt, but now he's like, come on, get up, let's do this. Something happened, something changed, something was transformed inside of him because God confirmed four times what the truth was for him. Gideon went from doubt to faith because God gave him what he needed to convince him. That what he heard was from God and what he was asking him to do was God's will. So what I want you to see today is that God will do the same thing for you. He'll do the same thing for you. Maybe God's speaking to you today. If you're a follower of Jesus, I just want to remind you and encourage you that that his spirit is inside of you to give you the the wisdom and the strength and the power to overcome whatever it is that you're facing right now. And if you aren't a follower of Jesus yet, God is still speaking to you. He's still calling your name. And he wants you to be a part of his life. He wants you to be a part of his family so he can fill you with the spirit and so he can lead you and guide you and so you never have to be alone again. And that's something that is just a matter of inviting him into your life. So whatever your problem is today that, that you might be facing, don't give up on God. I know. It's a long obedience in the same direction. But there's rewards all along the way, and certainly there's a reward at the very end as well. Let me pray for us, okay? Father God, prayer can be such a mystery to us, this whole idea of hearing from you, Hearing from you can seem impossible, so I thank you for this story to convince us otherwise. God, help us to hear your voice. Convince us that you are with us so that we might never give up on the long obedience in the same direction that you've called us to. And I pray that for everybody here in Jesus' name. Amen.